frustration, concern. I doubt she was at fault. Likely a stroke caused the fall. Sarah says your mother complained this morning of numbness in one arm, dizziness, blurred vision. Yet she went on painting. Oh, she can be so obstinate, so foolish. Well, I'll agree to obstinate, not foolish. Imprudent, then. Hattie recalled only bits of the event described, a sudden searing pain in her neck and the back of her head before she fainted. But she recognized the voices as those of Dr. Kendrick, her physician since her husband's death, and Jenny, her spinster daughter, a teacher at the local grammar school. How bad was the stroke? Jenny asked. I won't know until she regains her senses. I'll check her visual and mental condition and look for signs of paralysis. Oh, would that be permanent? It depends. A stroke can leave one side of the body helpless. Perhaps just an arm, a leg, one side of the face. It can blind an eye. There could be some palsy. Oh, Mother would hate that. Hattie agreed silently. As the wife of a doctor and sometimes nurse, she'd seen the wreckage a stroke could make of a sound body. Why had it come to this? There was much she still wanted to accomplish in the time she had left on this earth. Well, she might do just fine. A mild stroke often leaves no problems. Sometimes symptoms disappear within a few weeks or months. Even the effects of a more severe stroke can improve over time. It depends on how hard the patient works at it, as well as how the stroke has affected the brain. It could be... The doctor... Let the rest fade as footsteps clapped the floor in what sounded like a hallway. A woman exchanged greetings with the doctor through the door, and the footsteps clapped away. As I was saying, the time needed for recovery is like a straw on the whirligig of chance. It depends on too many things to predict. Jenny's deep sigh drifted over the bamboo. Well, one thing's certain. I'm going to insist Mother give up the store. It'll be the death of her. Oh, it's a tonic. It's kept her young. She should take life easy. I'm going to urge her to sell. Words of protest crawled up Hattie's throat, crossed a slothful tongue and lips, and turned into a garbled mix of grunts and vowels. The muttering brought Jenny and Dr. Kendrick around the bamboo screen. The doctor pushed it aside, revealing a doorway and a hall lit with electric lights. A nun passed by, black robes sweeping the floor. The doctor, too, was dressed in black, his suit of cheviot. A black string tie had slipped to one side of a white collar. Jenny reached Hattie first. Mother, I'm so glad you're awake. I was afraid you'd... Well... Swallowing the rest, she bent to kiss Hattie's forehead and took her hand. 
Her touch was cold. Jenny's hands always felt like ice. In Jenny, Hattie saw herself at age 42, high cheekbones, ebony hair, and intense blue eyes. The same supple figure, today dressed in pearl-gray linen. A black straw hat covered soft curls. Hattie wanted to smile but could only twitch the corner of her mouth. The doctor stood beside the nightstand holding Hattie's right hand. She felt nothing, as if his grip was that of a ghost. How are you doing? he asked. She tried without success to speak of the pain in her head. Can you squeeze my hand? She tried to squeeze the damp, fleshy palm, but could do nothing, could feel nothing. How about this one? The doctor reached across the bed and took her left hand from Jenny. Had he